Reimagine your life by becoming an RN at Duke Health, a recognized health system in North Carolina's area known as the Triangle, home to award-winning restaurants, beautiful scenic spaces, and an eclectic art and music scene. You'll have plenty to enjoy in the area and cities beyond. What's more, you'll have a career filled with purpose and opportunity, matched by benefits that best support your wellness, family, and future, offering sign-on bonuses and relocation. Apply today at DukeNursing.org. The Big Bark, listen up dog owners, it's for you, all you canine lovers. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host, Dara Burke, and canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie. The Big Bark. Hey everyone and welcome back to a brand new season of The Big Bark. It's been quite a while since we've been on last, actually back in December was our last episode, took a nice little break, um, not really much to talk about during COVID, lockdown number 47 or whatever we're at right now, but I'm glad today to be starting off the new season with none other than IMDT trainer Carrie Hold, who is the resident dog trainer and leader dog training team at Madra in Galway. Carrie, welcome back to the Big Bark, glad to have you back. Thanks a million, Jared. it's great to be back, great that, uh, that you're happy to have me back again. So ah sure look you did you did quite well the last time so <laughs> so tell me Gary and tell our listeners who haven't actually uh, heard of you before uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, so I am a dog trainer. Um, I work at Madra, we're a dog rescue shelter in Connemara in Ireland, um, in Galway, and I suppose I started working there about probably about five and a half years ago as. A canine care in the shelter um, and I suppose we had a lot of dogs coming in with a lot of different training issues and, and some with behavioral issues and I suppose I really just wanted to um, understand how I could help them better how I could help modify their behavior um, to help them get rehomed get suitable homes so I started studying um, dog training with the IMDT and a few other organizations as well but I did my assessment with uh, the Institute of Modern Dog Trainers. Um, so it just kind of went from there. I'm, I'm really passionate about um, force-free force free training um, for dogs. And it's something that um, you probably <laughs> will have to cut me off talking about uh, today. But yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I suppose you mentioned force-free trainers. Like that's a massive thing now for a lot of dog trainers. Uh, it's a real kind of, I suppose, modern technique. Whereas... Years ago, it was all like punishment based, where now it's like real kind of positive reinforcement based. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose there's different styles of training still out there and still exist. Um, and I suppose the way the way that I train and the way that I like to deal with dogs is that it's it's very much relationship based. Um, I don't want my dogs doing things because they're afraid of consequences. I don't want my dogs doing things out of fear. I want I want dogs to to want to work with me, to have a relationship with me. Um, the training should be fun, um, and you can modify behaviors through uh, positive reinforcement training. It, you can build confidence. You can strengthen your bond with your dog. There's just so many so many reasons to use positive reinforcement um, training. And I suppose you know when you talk about labels like force free and fear free and positive reinforcement, and sometimes these words are kind of used quite a lot and, and people have different understanding of what those words mean 
Um, some people might say they use positive reinforcement, but they also use um, corrections and punishments. So it gets very, very confusing. And that's for trainers and behaviorists, never mind the general public who are maybe on the hunt for a trainer. It's very, very difficult to know who to go to or what you should be looking out for. And in Ireland, I suppose the issue is that it's it's not a regulated industry. So absolutely anybody can advertise themselves as a dog trainer, but they might not have any qualifications or, or actual understanding of canine um, behavior or have done any kind of formal study so or have experience um so it's it, it's kind of a it's a bit of a minefield to be honest and I really feel for people when they're trying to trying to get help for for their dog or any issues that they might be having it, it's not easy yeah definitely not and like you mentioned there like um I suppose probably I don't know what I call them like maybe chances out there who like are saying that like they are like dog trainers but like all they've probably done is sometimes watch a few youtube videos uh to train their own dog and like it's the same i suppose in any industry you have people who just watch a few youtube videos and suddenly i'm qualified at this yeah absolutely you do you do see that um and it's very unfortunate because dogs dogs and their owners end up paying the price um and I suppose when th- there's an issue with, you know, Googling information about dog training, because you can Google about any particular topic of dog training, but the quality quality of information that you get is very varied. And also, you know, the difference of having a trainer come to your house and look at the overall situation. I mean, one particular topic, a dog could be displaying a behavior um, for many, many different reasons. A dog could be mouthing and chewing because they're teething or, the, you know, they could have a toothache or they could be you know there's loads of different reasons so by googling it it isn't just a a one answer to to apply to all things that look similar so that's you know it's like even if you're googling medical issues with with your dog it's very very risky because um what 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 it might look like might be actually something very different so i I would always kind of say to people you know (laughs) stay away from google because it's it's really hard to get information and and that might only apply to one part of what you're dealing with and there's other things that are involved that you know a trainer can help you with a good trainer who can come in and kind of look at the overall situation and and your lifestyle with your dog and the issues that you're dealing with so that's that's what I'd always kind of urge people to do is to get to get a qualified trainer it's well worth investing in that and especially when you get a puppy you, you want to do things right from the start everybody does um you know it's worth it's worth getting that investment getting that help and people say, but look, you know, I've had dogs all my life. I, I know how to train dogs. That, you know, this I don't need to spend money on a trainer. But things have changed. Things have come a long way since we were younger and we had dogs and, the, you know, how, how they were brought up. So things have changed quite a lot. And there's a lot of information out there. So I suppose I just think if, if you're adding a dog, a puppy to your family or a dog, an adult dog, you know, it's it's well worth getting the advice of professionals so that you can do things right I mean there's nothing worse when you talk to someone and they realize that they've done things that maybe weren't best in the best interest of their dog because they followed the wrong advice from somebody else um and then you know they have that guilt that they that they've damaged the bond between them and their dog um and that's that's a hard thing to kind of carry with you so for me I I really would say look if if you're thinking of getting a dog um or a puppy to absolutely get get help beforehand don't wait don't wait till there's issues don't get a trainer in as a last chance saloon because we, we just don't know what to do at the stage we've tried everything you know go, get get on the right start with your puppy and get a trainer in one one or two sessions and you actually recover quite a lot of stuff 
so um yeah I always kind of urge people to kind of go go down that route and just get the help from the start absolutely and I think I suppose for a lot of people especially in the last year since like COVID has come along a lot of people probably are a bit like uncomfortable with getting a dog trainer in as well into the house inviting a strange person in who's been probably in other house like in other houses as well so like there is that aspect too as well like I say a lot of trainers have probably suffered because of COVID absolutely um absolutely a lot of people a lot of trainers um obviously most of us haven't been able to go into people's houses um but now that restrictions are are lifting and things are opening up um you can check with your local trainers to see if they have if their insurance covers them to do um one-to-one training in your garden or in the park where you both are socially distant and uh, you're wearing masks you know so that's something that is starting to come back i think now with the restrictions lifting that there will be puppy classes happening again and I'm, and I'm very happy about that because um i think that's really needed well-run puppy classes are, are needed especially for all these new puppies um there was some statistics out yesterday about the amount of dogs that were gotten during during the last year during lockdown and i do feel like that some pups have missed out on you know socialization and and certain aspects that maybe would have been addressed with puppy classes so i think I think now going forward, there will be more options for for new puppy puppy parents that they can get the support that they need. And and a lot of trainers during Zoom or during lockdown have done Zoom consults. And you know, some people are kind of going, "Well, what can you really learn in a Zoom consult? Like, I need I need the person here to show me what to do." But actually, it's not true. For for a lot of cases, um, you know, all the trainer is doing is instructing you and guiding you to how to interact with your dog and how to deal with with training issues. So. You don't need the trainer there. You, you can do this on a Zoom. You know, you, you don't need to have that that kind of risk or, you know, someone coming into your home or whatever. You, you can do it. And and the beauty of Zoom is that actually you, you can try and find a trainer whose methods that you really like. And it doesn't matter then if they live far away or wherever. They don't need to come to the house. So there's always options if, if people are looking for support, um, but they're worried about, um, you know, COVID and, and, and obviously adhering to government guidelines and things like that there's still there's still support available you know yeah and like you mentioned zoom there um i suppose in a way that's like teaching like it's actually training dog owners to train the dog themselves in a way as well like they're passing, the trainers are passing on that information absolutely because if a trainer goes into a home and and they have have the puppy doing all kinds of tricks and all this great stuff and that's fantastic but if that trainer go, goes home and if the family don't know how to, to do the same stuff, then, you know, what's the point of that? Like, yeah. you're not moving in with the family. They have to live with the puppy. So it's about guiding them and showing them how how to teach puppies in the way that they learn. Because um, they do learn in a bit of a different way to us. And, and it's it's about guiding them towards that. And how how our body language and how we, how we teach our dogs new skills. That's definitely something that you can do absolutely over Zoom. That's, that's not a problem. And okay, so you, like obviously we're talking a lot about puppies today. So, yeah. what exactly, I suppose, what would be like the biggest issues that you come across as a dog trainer with puppies? Um, so <laughs> this this might um go on into two podcasts if uh, if I get my way. Uh, but I suppose the first thing is I do hear a lot from people who really 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 struggle with the biting and the jumping up 
they're massive issues. People really, really struggle with that. And, you know, it just becomes a vicious cycle and, and they get frustrated with the puppy and they, they start resenting this little shark that they brought into their home a little bit. Um, and there, there's loads of stuff around that where, where people get very, very, very stressed out by it. And, you know, they don't, they're following stuff that they read online and it's not working and this, that and the other. So it's that, that kind of stuff is very, very common. Um, I also hear about um, like toilet training, um, kind of that that is harder than people kind of anticipated. Um, so some people do need a little bit of help with that. Um, the other one, I suppose, is socialization. So it's one of those <laughs> words that are a bit of a trigger for me because I think a lot of people are aware of socialization and that, that puppies have that critical socialization period. But I suppose, again, what the word socialization means to people has has is very different. So for some people, they think, right, you know, we want this pup to be resilient. We want this pup to grow up to be a robust dog who can handle things. So we get this puppy. We're bringing this puppy everywhere. Um, and that's actually not what socialization is. Um, socialization is more about exposing dogs um, to, to lots of novel kind of um, sights and sounds and textures, um, but pairing it with something positive. Um, and watching their body language so that they're not comfortable that we take them away from that situation um so it's done in a, in a much more controlled and kind of positive um manner um I'm a big fan of tracking things so I'm a big fan of you know having little targets each day or each week that we'd like to um expose our puppy to but in a nice positive way so things like motorbikes and and um, men with hats and sunglasses and <laughs> trains and all of these things that dogs have to deal with in their adult life and I suppose it's something that I do feel very very strongly about because with my background in rescue I see the consequences of what happens when dogs haven't had appropriate socialization and dogs who are crippled crippled by fear because they can't process new things or they can't cope or their first response is to be fearful of something new in the environment and that just could be because now a man it comes in and they've got a, a hood up and now that's terrifying um, for us, we, we can understand what's going on, but for a dog, that's quite different. So I suppose that it all comes back to what we do in those first few few weeks, up to kind of 16 weeks, 14 weeks, depending on what studies you're, you're going on. But kind of that that's our that's our golden opportunity. That's our, our window there that we have to get in and we have to do that properly. Um, so it's not flooding them with loads of information and new things. It's sometimes it just means bringing them to the park um, in your arms and just sitting down and watching things go past and, you know, feeding them some food, some of their lunch or some chicken or something um, and going home again. It's it's not this kind of <laughs> thing of bringing them everywhere and, and flooding them with information. So I think that's that's important to point out um, for, for socialization. Um, so they're kind of the main issues that, that I would see a lot. Um, that people struggle with and like you you mentioned there as well about like uh, the sunglasses the hats another i suppose big one that's happened in the last year that like puppies especially or any dog for that matter who never been used to before would be the face coverings masks and like, yeah like, yeah like would you ever see dogs that kind of get freaked out by that because like it is a very new thing it's a new thing for us as well in the last year but especially for dogs like the fact that they can't see the face yeah yeah absolutely um I suppose that's one advantage that, that puppies <laughs> the puppies that are that are around now they're 
they're being exposed to that from from the get go, really. Um, but for adult dogs, yeah, I think I think there was a bit of fear at the start from a lot of trainers and, and behaviors that dogs would struggle. Um, but actually, I, I've seen dogs coping very very well with them. Um, but again, you, you know, it comes down to watching your own individual dog and their body language. And if they're a little fearful of someone wearing a mask, then we need to step back and we need to help them with that. We need to um, just dial things way, way back and actually slow down the process of what we're doing and start desensitizing them to, to people wear, wearing masks. Um, and that's something that can be done. We can help our dogs with that. But yeah, it's it's kind of a new, a new thing that I suppose we never thought we'd have to um, expose our dogs to. You know, okay, a lot of like people are, I've heard of a lot of people ask like about crate training. Now, what's as a trainer like for puppies? What's your what's your views on crate training? So, I'm a big fan of crate training once it's done properly. Um, I will say that I don't think crate training is for every puppy. Um, there isn't a one size fits all. But I do love I do love um crate training puppies from the get-go because it can help with toilet training, can help them at night time. Um, but it has to be done in a really, really, really positive way. That crate has to be the best place in the world where all the food happens, um, all, all lots of good stuff. Every time we come back there, there's good stuff in there. We have to build it up really slowly. What, what tends to happen and what tends to go wrong with crate training is people just pop them in and like close the door and there you go, this is your new... This is your new place and, and puppies freak out it's terrible it's 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 absolutely traumatic for them um and now this place has become a negative place for the puppy so we have to dial things way back for them and go right how how can i help my puppy think this is the best place in the world like what what can we do we can do little there's loads of little crate um games that you can do with puppies that you can do from the, the get-go and you bring the puppy home um throwing some food in into the crate throwing some out we're not rushing to close it. We're not trying to trick our puppies. We want them to build up this emotional response to the crate that this is, oh, this is the best place ever. We want that because for life, it, it, it's good for a puppy to have their own and dogs to have their own space, their own place that when they're in there, nobody can bother them. That's where they can go and chill out and snooze or they can go with their with their um, enrichment toys or you know whatever it is that they like all happens in there so that's something that does take time to build up and and I suppose yeah where, where it can go wrong is just when people rush that process and then now uh, they've got a puppy who absolutely can't cope in the crate and and I will get those calls and pe- people kind of go well you know they just have to deal with it and and they try and you know let the puppy cry it out and all of this stuff that, that's actually quite damaging for puppies that puppies who've just been taken away from their they're the only thing that they've ever known taken away from their mom their litter mates um so if we just take them and and then suddenly we've put them in this cold empty crate all on their own and just walk away then that's absolutely just so distressing for them so I always talk about um we're gonna do crate training we have to do it properly and I suppose the benefits of, of doing it from a puppy and doing it properly is that you know all dogs probably should be crate trained because there there might be a time where they need to go to the vet or they might have an injury and they might need to be on crate rest. And for dogs, and again, I've seen it in rescue dogs who've come in that have had injuries and they've needed crate rest. Now this crate rest is imposed on them because it has to be for their recovery, but it's hugely, hugely stressful for them because they, they've never been in the situation before where they're closed in. And it's, it's just 
kind of a stress that they don't need. So there's there's loads of benefits to crate training your puppy, even if it's not something that you want to use long term. I do think that it's worth doing because you just don't know when you're going to need that, or if you're traveling or you're going somewhere that this isn't the time. This that's not the time to start crate training when when you need it. So it always like set your puppy up for success by starting young with the, with the crate. Um, and there's lots of things around the crate training, like, you know, the size of the crate, where it's placed, if it's covered, if it's got a crate cover, um, you know, what it's like in there, what stuff is in there, what are we putting in there for the puppy to enjoy? Um, lots and lots of things that we can do to either make or break whether the puppy loves that crate or, or finds that crate a really, really um, stressful kind of place. Um, I suppose crate, crate training, people, some people have very strong views on it. Um, but I think if, if you condition your puppy to that crate properly, then you have a puppy who will choose to go in there if the door is open, like throughout the day, they'll, they'll want to go in there. Um, and it just means that if you're in that process, you're trying to toilet train throughout the day. And, and pups especially find it really hard to switch off when, when they need a nap. So they get, you know, they get biting, they get over aroused. And what they actually do is it needs to be, to be um, have a little nap or then, you know, Whereas if we're used to a little routine of going into the crate with a stuffed Kong or something, then we can help bring them down um, and they can have a little nap and we can do what we need to do and then we can take them out for a toilet break after that. So yeah, lots of stuff um, around the crate. Um, And again, I would say to people, don't don't rush that. If they need help with that, absolutely get get a trainer um, because it's harder when when you've kind of gone too far and rushed the process that it's much harder then to come back and try and change how your puppy feels about the crate when they've already decided, no, I don't like it there. Um, so yeah, crate, crate, crate training is a big one. And on the other side of that, hen, I suppose, like, what would be your views on people who, like, say, would let their dogs, like, sleep on the bed or, like, at the end of the bed, like, rather than a crate? So that's completely an individual choice. Um, I, I think that's, for some dogs, that's fantastic. I think it, it really comes down to the individual dog the individual situation some dogs wouldn't be comfortable sleeping on a bed because um they might have guarding issues or they might not like people moving around and stuff like that um some people might not like their dog in their bed because they just <laughs> they just want to get a good night's sleep and maybe they think their pup will be too giddy so i think it comes down to individual preference um and i suppose when because we're just because we were talking about puppies today what i always say to people is actually start out having the puppy in the bedroom with you so the pup has 24 seven access to you at the start and people are like but then you know then they're completely dependent on me and they're going to get separation anxiety and, and all of these kind of concerns creep in but actually the studies have shown that actually that's how we build a resilient pup we give them that free access and build that secure attachment first before we then start working on doing some separation stuff very 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 gradually um that's how you build a resilient resilient pup but in terms of in the bedroom um that's it can be nice to just cuddle up your dog on the bed and and watch some Netflix I mean there's no issues with that I think I think some people have issues with it just because of old school kind of thinking um but for me personally I'm a big fan yeah I think same same for me like look I'll I'll be perfectly honest like my own two like they sleep on the bed like every night or well like they sleep in the they go into the bed when it's time for bed and then like when we get into bed it's kind of like oh you're here now we have to get down so, like, they go down to their own bed then, but, like, the minute I get up for work in the morning, like, just straight up on the bed. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, if I want to go back to bed, I can't, so. There's no room. 
<laughs> and and your ear earbuds aren't—they're um, not exactly small dogs either. No, they're not. Uh, Bruno is the size of a small horse, to be honest. <laughs> You'll so, have to get one of those uh, specially built uh, beds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They look at me and they'll be like, "Oh, that's nice. That's yours, though." <laughs> so tell me, then, Harry, like, uh, like you mentioned there about like, especially like about house training as well. Like, on average, how yeah. long does it take to actually properly house train a pup if it's done properly? It really varies, to be honest, from pup to pup. Um, but I would say you need to be consistent and you need to start <laughs> start it right from the start. Uh, so bringing your, bring your pup out every 15 minutes, bringing your pup out after they've woken up for a nap. Every time they've had a little bit of a play session, bring them straight out after that. They've had some food and water, bringing them out after that. Um, I'm a big fan because I love love tracking stuff in in dog training. Um, so I'm a big fan of actually having little charts. Um, and it's nice if there's a family or whatever, you can have a little chart. And and we tick off when when the pup was out last. Then we can identify, you know, if there was a little accident. Then you know, actually that's all that's always on us as the humans, always. And you're gonna have accidents while they're learning because they don't have um. Their, their their bladder isn't fully developed yet so you're going to have little accidents but I suppose that's how we handle them how we go about the prey training making sure that every time they they go outside when they finish going that we that we praise them for that and we pair that with something really high value so that now going outside is really 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 worth our while to do it outside yeah. um it does take time to build that up and um I suppose it, it is just about being consistent because people um you know 15 minutes 20 minutes an hour can go by very very quickly and then you realize oh well, actually you know the pup hasn't gone out and now they've they've gone on the carpet or whatever never the pup's fault um but in terms of how long it takes i suppose yeah it, it does really vary to be honest um and what what you're doing with the pup the rest of the time so if you're not able to supervise them are they in a playpen are they in the crate or where are they at so i suppose there's a lot to it really um but it's definitely it's definitely something that if you're if you're on the ball with it and, and you're very consistent, then you will very quickly see see the progress. Yeah. And so okay. it's worth so, putting yourself out for the first while um to get to get it right, you know. I like I think for us as well, like um with Bruno when he was the pop, like we got him when he was like I think it was twelve weeks. Um yeah. he never had accidents during the day, but he always had a night because my dad now would be like kind of like the older kind of style of like training or sleeping there. Yeah. But like he used to be crying away up in the like living room at night like because he was on his own. And okay. like used to be having like loads of accidents as well. Be Probably like that bit of separation anxiety there. Like yeah. you said yourself like he's after being taken away from his mother. He's like in a new place that he's not used to. Yeah. But then like it was shortly after that, that he actually like started to like come down to my room at night. I think one night, like, he kept me awake and I was just like, oh, come on. And ever <laughs> since that night, he never went inside. Wow. He never went Fantastic. inside. So, like, I, Someone... I, I I think it definitely works for, like, some dogs to have them, like, near you as well, like, because, yeah. like, yeah. but... Absolutely. He still, he still chews things up, though. So, five years on, he still chews <laughs> things up. I've had to hide my well, dogs. Chewing's very important for dogs. They, they need... They need about four hours of chewing a day. So we have to give them outlets for that. And if we don't meet that need, then, you know, everything else is fair game for them. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, what would you say, like, <laughs> if I told you 
he um, dug a hole out the back and buried the clicker for the clicker drama. He didn't like it, so that was God. <laughs> yeah. That was a very clear way of telling you that maybe maybe clicker training isn't isn't for you guys. <laughs> and tell me about on that, like uh, like when should you like for people like look into uh, do clicker training? Like it is very successful for some dogs. When should people start that? If you, if you want to use clicker training, you can start it as soon as you bring the puppy home. Um, once you know how to use it properly, um, I think sometimes people some people can have a tendency to use it like a remote control and it's click, 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 and it doesn't have any meaning <laughs> for the puppy. So if you're going to use a clicker, you need to research how to use it properly. Um, and for some people, having an, an extra thing in their hand is, is more complicated and confusing. And, and, and they're kind of like, oh, God, I, you know, some people are uncomfortable with, with using the clickers. Um, other people, are they love it. Um, so it comes down to individual kind of preference um, as well as that some pups and some dogs can find the click sound aversive because some of them are quite loud mm. um, so you can get ones that have where you can dial the volume down or you can just use a, a little clicker pen or something if you want um, so I suppose that that's kind of determines how <laughs> effective our clicker training is going to be if if the pup has if we build up um, an emotional um conditioned emotion response to the clicker then absolutely we can use that for training in that we like um kiko pup has lovely videos on youtube she does great ones clicker training and she'd gotten a pup there recently and she, she did clicker stuff from the start and she shows the videos of you know teaching the pup to go into the crate and choosing to go into the bed and and doing all these other behaviors that started very very young um pups are learning from the from the get-go so you can you can absolutely do it but it's not necessary if you don't if you don't want to use a clicker you don't feel comfortable you can just use a verbal marker word like yes so i use a mixture with my dogs and and that's fine they you know there's there's no issue but yeah some some people are kind of like you know they panic having another thing or where's my clicker um so it comes down to per- personal preference whether to use them or not but um i'm a fan i love them well you asked for as my clicker it's still buried somewhere off the back so it's that that was done with that's gone but um so okay what would be your number one tip for people who are like after getting a new pup and are looking like for general tips on to train the pup um i suppose my number one tip is to be sympathetic towards the puppy um their life has just changed massively and now there's all these rules and they don't know what those rules are. Um, we expect quite a lot from our puppies from the start. Um, and actually, we really have to invest that time into helping them to feel confident and to feel feel brave and to, to experience new things. Everything is so, so, so new for them. Everything. Like, it's, it's just, it's so much when you, when you sit down and think about what they have to process and what they have to what they're exposed to and what they have to habituate towards, then we really need to, to look at our kind of our expectations and kind of go, right, you know, we have to put this time in now to help build 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 our puppy up so that they're able to cope with an adult dog. Um, so I would say, yeah, look, get, get the help at the time when you get the puppy. Um, it's well worth getting a professional in to go through the basics um, I would suggest getting um, Steve Mann's book, Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy. Actually, um, I'm from nice... 
So he's got the puppy one as well. Um, oh, that's, a, that's, that's a, nice yeah, one. that's the original one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the puppy one. Um, and that, I like that one because, um, you know, I find even kids will read that one, you know, or o- older kids who are going to be doing, sometimes they're the best trainers uh, in the family. So sometimes they'll, they'll read that book. Um, but I suppose that's it. Just just being aware that, you know, we need to dial things down and, and kind of um, help our puppies, help our puppies grow and adapt to this world and and that sounds maybe a little bit airy fairy to some people but it's really not it's just about making positive associations and we can actually help shape that if if, if something if there's something a pup is a little bit fearful of we, we can help them with that we don't need to kind of just dismiss it or just kind of go you know well we know what that thing is it's no big deal it's grand but to that pup something is scary so we, we can help them with these things um so I suppose that, that's kind of what I'd say to people is just be understanding that it's, it might be tough for us uh, being on the receiving end of being nipped and <laughs> the jumping up and stuff like that. But it's also tough for them. Um, and we really have to kind of start looking at things from their perspective as well. It's, it's, it's not easy um, adapting to a whole new way of living with, with new people. Um, and I suppose to kind of stop kind of scolding puppies or nagging puppies or whatever, let's you know show them what we do want them to do instead and I think that's the big thing in dog training it's it's not about telling them what we don't want them to do it's about actually going what do I want them to do instead and then start reinforcing those behaviors that we do like um that's one of the best things you can do for and you can do that from the minute you get your pup home start reinforcing things that you like or if puppies hanging out in their bed or the crate or the puppies you know standing we don't need to be sitting they're standing and not jumping up on us I would get in there and reinforce that there's loads that you can do throughout the day. Training isn't something that you just do every now and again. Pups are always learning. So I think just just tapping into to what your pup finds reinforcing and then really building up behaviours that we like. Okay, brilliant. Well, listen, uh, we'll leave it that for today, Carrie. Uh, Carrie Hall, uh, dog trainer at Madra. Thank you so much for joining me on The Big Bear today. Thank you. Weekend. The Big Bark, listen up dog owners, it's for you, all you canine lovers. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host, Dara Burke, and canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie. The Big Bark, 